I started to, to really pray into that and really ask God, you know, God, what are you saying in the testing of our hearts? And he's like, yeah, I want to know that if you're going to still serve me, you're going to still worship me, you're still going to praise me no matter what it looks like. I want to know that I mean more to you than the words on the page that you're reading. I want to know that you're so in love with me that you're not going to leave me. You're not going to, like, shut the door on my face and walk away from me. I want to know that you're still going to be there and seek me out. And I'm searching your heart. And I'm seeing if you're going to be steadfast in it. And I just was, I was just standing there and I was like, you know, I posted something this past week. I'm not a poster on Facebook. Like, I never post. Ask my husband. I just don't. You know, I flip through there and I see a lot of stuff, a lot of junk, I would call it. And I see a lot of uh, people use the, the word of God for self-gain, for self-gratification, for things that they need. And um, that really, really bothers me when I see that stuff. And so I posted this post, and it, w it just spoke volumes to me. And it just said about the word of God, and it says, you know, and you can go read it on my page later, but I don't know exactly how I put it, but it said on there, you know, it's, it's not, don't believe people, you know, with their extravagant words of knowing the word of God. What you see is how they live it out in their lives. And, and, and it's the fruit that you see in somebody's life that begins to minister to you more than them coming with eloquent, eloquent words. Because the Lord says he doesn't come like that. Moses was like that. You know, they, you don't come in eloquent words or these big old words making yourself look good because you know the word of God. You've got to live it out in your life. And, um, and I started, I, I posted it because it spoke a lot to me. And I think I got like over 200 shares on that post. And I, and I don't ever post. So I was, even my husband was like, what in the world? Like, where, <laughs> like this is crazy. And, and I started praying about it. And I was like, God, why did, like, why did so many people share this? Like, it was so simple. Like, it spoke volumes to me. But obviously, that's what the body of Christ needs right now. Obviously, they're hungry for something more than just your good words that you can make yourself look good in front of people like you know your word inside and out, which is to me religion. And you have to begin to show your fruit and leave, li live some of this out. That when somebody comes around you, it's not that you have great words you're speaking, but you're living it out and they're seeing it. They're seeing it in your family. They're seeing it how you react to things. They're seeing if you're staying in that broken state or if you're, if you're bouncing back from those things. And so, so as I'm going through this, he's like, yeah, he's like, I'm, I'm checking people's heart right now to see why is it that they, they come to me. Because let me tell you something that I've learned, and I learned this the hard way, is that your gifting and your anointing is not why we come to Jesus. That is something extra that we get from the kingdom of God. Because when that is gone, when your platform is pulled from within you, pulled away from you, all you have is him left. That's why it's important that we live it out and not just have these great words that we're speaking or, 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 or making people believe that we're a certain way. And I started seeing on Facebook how people were using it even in manipulation. And I don't, and manipulation to me is witchcraft. It's not of the Lord. 
And I was like, no, Lord. I was like, this is, this is the counterfeit. This is not you. Like, this is not how your kingdom functions. Yes, there's favor. Yes, there's grace. But God brings things to you. You don't go out to get it yourself. This is not a myself kind of thing that I'm going to go out and get it for me. I'm going to let you bring it to me, you know? And so I'm going through this process with the Lord, and I said, God, I said, you know, I started praying, and I said, God, who was the one that was tested? And I started thinking about it in the scriptures, and Abraham was tested. Out of anybody that I know of, Abraham had a huge testing in his life. And if you go to Abraham, it's Genesis 22. This is how Abraham was so faithful. Everything God told him to do, he was obedient in. He just did it. He made sure that he had such a relationship with God that when God said to do it, he just did it. That's how Abraham, he was so grounded with God in that way. I mean, it was powerful. It says, sometime later, God tested Abraham. And he said to him, Abraham, and he says, here I am, he replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah, sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain, I will show you. Now, I don't know about you, but that's a pretty big test. You know, we, thank God that we don't have to go through testing like that now. But we go through testing in other areas in our life. And he comes to him, and I don't know about you, but I know if God were to ask me to take my only son to go as, and take him as a burnt offering, you would really question if you're hearing God or if that's the enemy. And you would be playing on this thing in your head like, is this the Lord or is this the devil trying to get me to kill my son? You see what I'm saying? And so early in the morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey. This is the faith and the activation of him trusting it was God. He took, him, he took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When we had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. And he said to his servants, Stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship, and then we will come back to you. So they weren't there by themselves. They, there was a group of them that went up there to do this sacrifice. So Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac. And he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father Abraham, Father, Yes, my son, Abraham replied. The fire and the wood are here, Isaac said. But where's the lamb for the burnt offering? See, this is his son literally like, what's going on here? Like, there's no burnt offering that I have. Like, can you, can you just communicate with me and tell me something? I mean, they knew how the traditions worked in that time. They knew that if they're collecting wood and they had to get some fire, they knew that something was going to be on that offering and his son started, like, wait a minute, we don't have a lamb. We don't have nothing, a burnt offering. Talk about testing, right? <laughs> and it says, when, we, when they reached the place God had told him about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. 
He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on the top of the wood. I have young men in my life, my sons, and if I were to bound them up with some whatever it is, rope, whatever it is, to something, they would be fighting me. They would not just come and say, yes, bind me up. You know what I'm saying? So we don't know what that process was like for Abraham when he had to do that to his son. We don't know, like, like Dad, what are you doing? Like, I know my kids would have been like, what are you doing? Like, are you crazy? Why are you binding me up? This doesn't make any sense. And I started thinking about this. I was like, oh, my God. Like, his son was sitting there getting all twirled up in this stuff, and he doesn't even understand that God had spoken to him. It would have been different if he knew that God told him to do this, but he didn't even know that. So then he, he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. Do you not know that his son would have saw that happening? I'm sure his son was laying there, and he looked up and saw all this going on, wondering, what is this even about? I don't get this. I really believe that his son understood Abraham's walk with God in such a crazy way that he trusted his dad and he trusted in God as Abraham had taught him. He, yeah, there was just no other way other than that. And then it says, but the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven. Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. I think the key there is what he tells him, tells him is that he knows that he fears God. And the fear of God is important this season that we know who God truly is and his power that we're not going to say and do whatever we want to say and do anymore. That we're going to take it seriously and we're going to really be guarded in our tongue, really be guarded in what we choose to do and say because we understand the fear of God in our lives. Not that he's going to come and like crush us and like, you know, be ugly to us as his kids, but there's, there's, there's a, a place that you understand, like, man, I can't just do whatever. I don't belong to myself. I belong to him. He's the ruler of my life. I have to come for him to, for everything, every part of my life. Not to man, but to him. He is what, he's my provider. He's my everything. And so I believe that was key in that, in that scripture right there is what he understood, that Abraham understood the power of God. And then it says, on that day, and to this day, it is said, on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. Till this day, till this day, that on the mountain, it will be provided. What will be provided? The offering, the burnt offering. He doesn't need us to bring him an offering. He is the offering. He was the offering every single time. That's why he didn't have him slay the son. He could have told him to go on with it, and he stopped him and said, no, you understand who I am, Abraham, that I can trust that whatever I tell you to do, you're going to go do it and not hold back anything from me, not even your only son. Some of us have a hard time letting go of natural things, cars, TVs, tables, ridiculous stuff that we have a hard time letting go of 
because we don't understand this yet. And God tells us to relinquish things unto him, and we don't get it still. And it says, the angel of the Lord called to Abraham from heaven a second time and said, I swear myself, by myself, declares the Lord that because you have done this, that you, that done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand of the seashore. Your descendants, all of us, are descendants of Abraham. Every single one of us, we're descendants. And look what it says here on the descendants. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies. And through your offspring, all the nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. I don't think Abraham understood the power of his decision that day, how it would affect a whole generation. Generation after generation after generation to a now time that we can pull from that word and we can say, we're going to be blessed. And on the mountain, it's already there. It's already given to us what we need. That's why we have to go up higher sometimes. Get out of the junk. And then Abraham returned to his servants and they set off together to Bershima, and Abraham stayed in Bershima, right? So this story is just so powerful because Abraham, he didn't know what God was going to do. He just trusted in him. And I think when we go through processes in our life that we get to a point with God that we trust him, that his thoughts, everything towards us is good. We were singing it this morning about how good of a father is he. Do you believe how good of a father is he to you? But to the point that you're going to trust him when he tells you to do the most ridiculous things sometimes in your life, you don't have understanding of him. Are you going to trust in him like Abraham and say, here I am, here I am, God. You know, Abraham and Moses, they both replied that to God. They would both say, here I am. When God called out for them, that's their response was, was here I am. Here I am. So then in James 1.12, it says, Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. Who does he promise it to? To those who love him. How deep is your love for God? It's not just him loving us, but us intertwining ourselves with him in such a way that that love, we begin to pour it out to him the same way he pours it to us. It goes back and forth. And, it, and, it, and, it, and, you will lie, and then if you continue to read in James, it says, it says one through two, it says, it says, count it all joy, my brothers. When we meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing produces steadfastness and let steadfastness have its full effect. Weren't we praying for the fullness this morning? We were in our worship. Let your fullness come, God. That's what this looks like, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Lacking in nothing. Go back and read it, James 1, 2 through 4. 
that you would lack in nothing. James 1.12, it says, okay, that's the one I read earlier. Sorry about that. <laughs> but, but in this process that I was going through with the Lord, even with hearing people's prayers and their requests, the Lord just kept telling me about the champion and the champion within us. And I think that sometimes when the enemy comes with his trials and all this stuff that he wants us to stay stuck in, we forget who we are in the Lord. We forget that we're called to be champions for the kingdom of God. Who was the first champion? Jesus was the first champion. And champions produce other champions. Why does a champion produce another champion? Because they've gone through something. They know what it's like to persevere, to deal with trials and things you've gone through in your life that he's a display to us of what a champion really looks like. They called him a conqueror, but a conqueror is the same like a champion because a champion has to conquer something, overcome something, so that way he could sit at the right hand of God. That's us. There's certain things that come up in our lives that we have to overcome. We have to conquer. We have to have a, have a mindset of a champion that we're going to work through it. And then it says here, it says... Um, it says, um, I just want to release this the way the Lord gave it to me because I get real excited and then I want to go everywhere. <laughs> Champions to me have something inside of them that burns. It burns inside of them and no one and nothing can put out that thing that burns in them. They have this confidence and that was another thing the Lord told me this morning is he was like, you have to have confidence in what you're reading about. You have to have confidence and believe in the word that you're reading. That it, it, and it talks about this in Proverbs 3.26. It says, for the Lord will be your confidence and will help your foot from being caught. Who's your confidence? He's your confidence. It doesn't matter what man says or has said to you in the past. Your, he's your confidence. So who are you pulling confidence from? You're pulling it straight from the kingdom of God, straight from him unto you. You know, we, you know it's funny because I was reading somewhere the other day, and it's something about, something about, you know, we know champions in the natural, but there's spiritual champions that it's time for us to begin to arise. Right. A spiritual champion is someone able to discern the divine priority of every moment in every situation. I read that and I was like, God, give us your discernment. Let us discern greater that when things come in front of our faces that we're not going to get distracted and we're not going to get pulled apart by the enemy any longer, but that we discern in the divine priority of every moment in every situation. Champions are born and developed, but most are summoned. When the cause for which they were born arises, their destiny. My Lord, God, you've summoned us. We've been summoned. He has called you and called you and called you. And now it's time for us to answer the call. He summoned you. And in that summoning... The destiny is trying to come up and out of you 
of what he created you to do. But somehow we still try to block that and push that down. And we don't agree with it sometimes. And the Lord's like, no, I put that inside of you. God has given each and every one of us a heart of a champion. The heart of a champion is someone who rises above ordinary to extraordinary. A heart of a champion must know that he or she knows right from wrong and renew their mind with the word of God in position to make life-changing, destiny-shaping decisions. I'm sorry, but we have to make decisions in our lives. We can't be no longer drug around by the enemy in our thoughts and think that that's going to work because it's not. When you're a champion, you know, you know by renewing your mind with the word that God is trying to position you for life-changing, destiny-shaping decisions. You have to choose what you want to do. He gives us that ability to choose things in our own lives, and he's not forcing you, but he's trying to lead you. And it's up to us to be led. And it takes humility for a person to be led, not pride. As a champion, you have to confront your fears. When you, conform, when you confront your fears, you will be free from them. Confront your insecurities. Confront your jealousies. Confront anything that will break your focus on what's important. Confront whatever you're afraid of. The only way you, you, over, you overcome fear in something is by doing it. Whatever it is that's holding you back, whatever it is the enemy has used against you to bring fear upon you, just go do it. So that way you can get rid of it. You won't be afraid of it anymore, and you can move forward in the things of God that he truly has for you. Let it all go. Give it to him. Psalms 21, uh, 27.1, it says, Fear not, little flock, for it's your father's good pleasures to give you the kingdom. It's his good pleasure to give us everything in the kingdom of God. Don't be afraid. Romans 8.32, it says, Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell, can separate us from God's love. Where is the fear coming from? Be in love with him. Be totally in love with Christ. That there won't, you already know there's no separation. The enemy will come and try to separate you from him, but he can't. He doesn't have that authority. I'm going to give you some, some, a little list here of the things that what a champion is supposed to do to be created inside yourself. Champions prepare in secret. A champion is not created when they win a medal or achieve a goal. It first happens in secret. It's the things that you do privately when no one is watching, when it's just you and the Lord. When you're on your face, when you're crying out to him, 
when you're spending hours and hours with him, that's when the champion gets created inside of you. It's not when you've already reached your goal. It's not when you're on a platform. It's not when you're behind a microphone. It's not when people can come in and pat you on. That's not when the champion comes out of you. It's when you do, when you're not doing those things, when you're by yourself. And the only one that can see you is him. That's the most important part is that he sees you, not anybody else. And he knows your heart. Matthew 6, 6, it says, but when you pray, go into your room, close the door, pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. It's not the other way around. And I think people have misunderstood that for way too long. They think if they have a microphone or a platform that the Lord is going to reward them from that standpoint. The Lord's like, no, whatever you do in secret, whatever you're doing in your private time with me, I will bring it forth for, for it to be used for the kingdom. It's not the other way around. All I wanted to do in the beginning of my ministry was want more of him. I didn't seek a platform. I didn't seek a radio station. I didn't seek media. I didn't seek any of that. My first thing when I came to know the Lord was that I wanted to know who he really is. I wanted to know more of him and who he was. That was the most important part to me. If my platform wasn't here anymore, if my radio station wasn't there anymore, if I didn't have a microphone in my hand anymore, None of that matters to me. What matters to me is my relationship with him, that I pull from him, that I'm okay with him. That's the most important part. It's not my gifting or my anointing or, or what I've been able to do in my life or who I've been able to sit with or who I've met in my life. It's him and me, and that's it. That's the most important part. Number two, it says champions... They don't give up. They persevere. Doing something despite, persevere means doing something despite difficulty or delay in achieving success. If the enemy is trying to delay some things, if the enemy is trying to distract you and get you to give up, which I've heard a lot of this past week in the body of Christ, I just want to give up. I don't want to do this anymore. It's perseverance that you begin to pull from and because we're not alone, he's with us. In Galatians 6, 9, it says, And let us not grow weary in doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. When are we going to reap? We reap when we don't give up. If he's knocking at your door, the enemy, trying to pull you down, trying to sucker punch you right now. I don't even know why I said that, but somebody's been feeling like that. Like somebody's going to sucker punch me and try to bring me down. And the Lord's like, no. It says, it happens. It happens. You reap, you reap it when you don't give up. When you persevere, you push through things. You don't just relinquish what God's already given you unto the enemy, but you sit there and you stand firm on his word and his truth and what he's spoken. Champions hold this fire in their hearts. Romans 12, 11 through 13. Never let the fire in your heart go out. Keep it alive. Serve the Lord. And when, you and when you hope, be joyful. When you suffer, be patient. And when you pray, be faithful. Share with God's people 
who are in need. That's the part where we're at right now. This is where we need to be right now. Never let the fire go out in our hearts because the fire in your heart is what stirs your belly. It's what stirs everything out around you and, and, and who you are for your, your destiny. Everything you're created to be, it's that fire in your heart. You know, I, I was reading this today and I started being reminded of the, the movie uh, Secretariat of the Horse. And uh, they, they, this horse was always told, you know, they were told that this horse wasn't going to be able to be in races. This horse was told all kinds of things. I literally went to go uh, look this up because I was like, Lord, I know like you had this horse have like crazy amount of awards. But if you look at the past history of the horse, it was never, ever supposed to do anything. They said that it had... Um, an enlarged heart. Of all things this, heart, this horse could have had, it had an enlarged heart. And let me tell you, it says, it says the American thoroughbred racehorse, who was in 1973, became the first triple crown winner in 25 years. Triple crown winner. And that spoke volumes to me. Because I was like, God, I don't just want one crown. If you can give it to that horse, I'll just keep getting the different crowns by being an overcoming, overcoming obstacles and things in my life like this horse had to. And then I get to get the triple crown of Jesus. I bet you there's way more than that in heaven, like more than just one crown that the Lord wants to give us if he gives it to this horse in a race, the triple crown. And, and this horse, when I was thinking about the heart, I started praying this morning, and I was in here, and they called for prayer for people's hearts to be restored and things like that. And I started thinking, you know, some of us, it's time for us to enlarge our hearts. Many, many years ago, I had this leader come up to me, and she like, like, if you would have seen what was happening to me, you probably would have been offended, some of you, because of the mindset sometimes. <laughs> but I'll tell you, it changed my life that day. She came, and she was pushing on my chest and pushing on my chest and pushing on my chest. And she just kept telling me, which when in, the, in that time, I was new to the things of the Lord. I was like, I don't know what you're doing, God, but um, I don't know what this is, but <laughs> I, I, I'll just take it, Lord. <laughs> I would always tell him that. I was like, I don't know what this means. I don't know what this is, but I'll take it, Lord, because if you're giving it to me, it's because you want me to have it. And she just kept pressing on my chest. She goes, I, and like she straddled me. And she's like, I, I just see the Lord enlarging your heart, enlarging your heart. And I was like, okay, Jesus. You know, I'm all a mess with him. And I'm like, I'll take it, Lord. And this morning he was reminding me of that. And he was like, some of us need to know and allow the Lord to expand our hearts. Because the bigger our hearts become, the more room we have for people to be in our hearts. And I finally got it years later when the Lord wants us to love people, even people that you don't want to love. You make room in your heart for them. And the Lord comes and expands your heart. The more that you let them in your heart to restore you and heal you, the greater your heart becomes bigger. And the more room you have for others in forgiveness, and you, the more room you have to love the body of Christ, and this was like when my ministry first started. And at that moment, I was like, well, what do I need my heart expanded for, you know? I'm in this little bitty church. It doesn't make sense, Jesus. 
it doesn't make sense right now, Lord. And he steps in. He's like, you don't know why you need this for later. You're going to need this later. So let me give you everything that you need. See, we don't look at things. We look at things in a now time, and we don't look at them in the future. We just take things for granted sometimes. We devalue things sometimes, and we just walk right by them. And we don't understand the magnitude of how the Lord's trying to impact us with change for our destiny, that he's molding us in those moments. And I never understood that, that that one moment would be something of a now time for me, for me to have this expanded heart to let other people in my heart that I didn't even understand what God was doing. And I just kept saying yes to him. And I just kept pressing forward. One of the things that is huge in the body of Christ is that champions finish their task that the Lord has given them. He doesn't set us up so we can fail. There is no failures in the kingdom of God. He sets us up for us to have victory and win. He doesn't set us up that we have obstacles and things in front of us that we're dealing with just so we can retract and go backwards. You know that champions, they don't ever look backwards. They just look at the future and they look forward. They don't look at the flaws and their mistakes and how they didn't do this and how they didn't do that. And if the would have, could have, should have comes on the, on the scene, they look at the future and what the now time is today and tomorrow. They don't look at the yesterdays. And that's so important for us this season. In 2 Corinthians 8, 11, it says, So now finish doing it as well, so that your readiness in desiring it may be matched by your completing it out what you have. And I, I read that part. It says, completing it out of what you have. What do you have right now? What is it that you can say that is within you, that you have this very moment that God wants to use you for in this season for the kingdom whatever it is that you have use it use it to the best of your ability of what he's given you this season because you're a champion and you can't think the way you were thinking before philippians 1 6 it says i'm sure of this that he who began a good work in you will bring it to the completion at the day of jesus christ there is a completion of your run. They were talking about running the race this morning. Um, we're going to run, we're going to run, we're going to run, we're going to run. Yes, you're going to run, and you're going to win, and you're going to complete it. Because that's what champions were born to do. They were born to be victorious and become winners and win their race. They were never intended to stop and go backwards or look back at past things they did that's not what the champion was supposed to be about and you're like well you know um i guess it's good for some but it's not good for me i just want to give you some practical things for you to think about throughout your day you know disney's a big thing right everybody wants to go to disney disney world they all want to grab their families and get in a car, and we're going to go to Disney World, everybody, and we're going to have this joyous time. And, you know, thousands of dollars is spent, millions is spent in this place. Walt 
Disney was fired from the Kansas City Star in 1919 because his editor said he lacked imagination and no good ideas. <laughs> Isn't that something? The very place that people seek out to go through for their vacations with their families, the man had, had, had no ideas, according to somebody who told him that, is the most wanted place where people go now. You know, I don't know about you, but I know sometimes we'll joke around and we're like, well, I'm no Ar Albert Einstein, right? <laughs> and we say that to one another like, no big deal, right? Let me tell you about Albert, Albert Einstein. You may be more like him than you think. He didn't speak until he was four, and he didn't read until he was seven. He was subsequently expelled from school and was not admitted to the Zurchik Polytechnic School. Long short, uh, short story, he came around. And those of you that know his story, you know. Abraham Lincoln. I'm telling you these stories of real people because you need to understand, these were regular people like you and me who accomplished great things in their lives. And they had the rejections. They had the setbacks. They went through all this stuff but they still, their destiny and their purpose of what they were created to, to do, it still came and it still happened. And regardless of their flaws or their mistakes or anything, it still happened. And you know, there's no age limit on this at all. Any of y'all go and eat after church Kentucky Fried Chicken? Right? You eat it, right? And you're like, oh my God, this is so good. I just love this, right? Do you know that the guy who made Kentucky Fried Chicken, he was in his 60s? He got his Social Security check of $105 and used that to start his business. You see what I'm saying? I, I, it's just crazy. Like every story you read, Abraham Lincoln was young and entered the war, and he entered in as a captain. <laughs> this is good for the body. He entered in as a captain, but came back as a much lower private. Later on, he tried to start up a ton of businesses, all of which failed. And before, before becoming president, he lost several runs for public office. He was one of our presidents. I hope you're getting some of this, because I did. When I was reading these stories, I was like, oh my God, yes, we can. Anybody buy Michael Jordans? I know they're very, very expensive and pricey because I see these young kids just like strapping them on their feet and it's like the hottest thing online, right? He was cut from his high school basketball team. He once said, I've missed over a thousand shots in my career and I have lost almost 300 games. On 26 occasions, I've been entrusted to take the game winning shot and I have missed. I have failed over and over again in my life, and that is why I succeed. Anybody know about baseball Babe Ruth? His home run record is 7-14 during his career, but he still had a total of 13-30 strikeouts. At one point, he held the record for strikeouts. He once said, every strike brings me closer to the next home run. You read these stories and you're like, man, 
people that are champions that have achieved things in their life of success they never went through this stuff I'm going through. They never had doubts in their mind. They never, they never got, you know, pushed down or rejected or told they couldn't do something. They all did. But they chose to persevere and push forward and succeed and have success in their lives. And it wasn't dictated by anybody who was saying these things to them. It was dictated by something else that was burning inside of them. God created each and every one of those people to do something. All of their gifts, everything came from God. Now, whether they knew that or not, that's not the point here. The point is they were regular people like me and you, and they had a destiny in their life. They had a purpose in their life, and they couldn't quit, and they couldn't stop just because they were rejected. They couldn't quit, and they couldn't stop just because it didn't look like what they thought it would look like. We are called to be champions for the Lord. You know, Thursday night we were in here and we were in worship. And I heard the loud roar of a lion. And I knew it was the Lord. It was the lion of Judah roaring in this place. The enemy somehow thinks he's going to win. But when the lion of Judah shows up, when his roar comes in a building, when he shows up on your behalf, there is no maybe. There is only it is written and it will be. Period. He's in this building and he's here for us. We are called to be bold, passionate, and a powerful end time army. And it's time for the champions to begin to arise. The winners. The ones that are going to win their race the ones that are going to be successful, the ones that are going to go do exploits for Jesus, the ones that are not going to look at their flaws or, God, why did you choose me? Why did you pick me? Because he knew that you wouldn't give up. He knew that you would keep going. And, yeah, you're going to have bad days. And, yeah, you're going to think of bad thoughts sometimes. And the Lord's like, it's okay. Brush yourself off and get back up and let's start arising as champions unto the Lord. Then we have a, a race to win that we're going to win. And we're going to be successful in the kingdom of God. And he has too much for us. He has too much for us. He's done already lots of things for us to see and hear. He's already showed you. He's already cast vision on you. Because the champion always succeeds and looks for a better way to do it. He always looks for a better way to do it, a champion. He doesn't just stop and just look at it like that. He visionates. And he says, I see this maybe something years ago. I see the Ohio blaze coming. Let me pack my bags and move to a whole other state because I see the blaze coming. I see the people coming for a touch of God. I see the people in desperation that the doctors can't heal them, but only God can heal them. Those that want to take their lives and kill themselves because they've been rejected and gone through things and they have this, this thing now. They're going to walk in these doors and they're going to encounter the love of God. See, that's what success looks like. It's not about ourselves. It's about everybody else who it impacts. That these men and women who I read to you about, they impacted a generation during their time. 
They didn't give up. We have a generation we're responsible for. That we have to arise and act like the champions he created us to be. So the next generation can gleam off of that and create better way past us things for the new generation after them. Who's looking at you and who's watching you? Pay attention because there's those that are watching, those that are looking at you, and they're seeing if you're going to get up. They're seeing if you're going to become that champion God has already spoken over your life. And you know what? We have the cloud of witnesses in heaven. And they're sitting there and they're like, come on, you can do this. I was once there. I did it. William Brandon, Catherine Coleman, all these people, they're in heaven. They're like, get up, get up, get up, get up, rise up. You've got work to do for the kingdom. You don't have time to feel sorry for yourself. You don't have time to be depressed. You don't have time to sit there and dwell in yourself. You got to get up. You got to get out. You got to go do what I told you to do. That's, that's, that's done with. But the champions will arise this season. Let's stand up. God, we arise today for the occasion, Lord. We arise, Lord, to become the champions that you called us to be, Lord. We don't sit down and check out, Lord. There is no check out in the kingdom of God. <laughs> There's no, I'm going to take a sabbatical this season. <laughs> I'm just going to sit down and be quiet for a little while and maybe God will change his mind and, and, and get my destiny and my purpose to somebody else. No, nobody else can fulfill your destiny and your purpose but you. So if you're waiting for somebody else to do it, that's already the wrong mindset. You've got to rise up this season and become the champion he's created you to be. God, we thank you, Lord. We thank you for the, the children the burning inside of each and every one of us, God. That you will cause a fire to burn in us, God. A blazing fire, God. That we take heed to you this season, Lord. That we know what the fear of God looks like, God. That we don't just say and do whatever we feel we need to say and do. But that we speak as ambassadors of the kingdom, Lord. That we take hold, God, of the promises that you, you promised to us, God. Each and every one of us, we have a promise from God. And we take hold of it this morning, God. And we agree with it. Let's just raise our hands unto the Lord this morning. To say, God, I agree with my destiny and purpose this morning. Ha <laughs> ha, Oh, just say it like you mean it. Say it like you mean it this morning. God, I agree with my purpose and my destiny, God, this morning. I'm not going to lay it on the ground for no one, for nothing, God. 
God, we agree with all of heaven this morning, God, that the champions will arise, God. <laughs> you know what? I want, I want to do a declaration. I want to do a proclamation this morning. I want you to say out of your mouth, <laughs> I'm a champion of the Most High. 